This is the Friends of Israel Today. I'm Steve Conover, and with me is our host and teacher, Chris Katolka. Last year, my wife and I attended one of the Friends of Israel's Up to Jerusalem tours. We started our tour in central Israel and were privileged to stand in the beautiful Mediterranean port city of Joppa. This was on our first day. And we were struck with how much biblical history happened in this tiny place. It's amazing to think that in Joppa, the cedars of Lebanon were imported for the temple. The story of Jonah begins. And it's also where Peter had his amazing rooftop vision. And we'll be spending this episode looking at the significance of Joppa, and later we'll tell you how you can join us on one of our upcoming tours. We're going again in October. I can remember my first visit to Joppa as well, and what struck me was a theme. It's a theme that ties the stories of Jonah and Peter together, a theme of mercy and compassion the Lord has for all people, for Jew and Gentile alike. So today on the program, we'll draw out that theme that links these two biblical stories together, and then apples of gold. Archaeologists in Jerusalem uncovered a landfill that revealed the ancient eating habits and garbage collection of Jewish people from the Second Temple period. They discovered that the common meal included meat from sheep or goats, along with fruits like figs and dates. Also, what struck archaeologists was the orderly way trash was collected. Haaretz News says archaeologists think that the combination of Roman efficiency and Jewish obsession with cleanliness created a unique system for taking out trash. The ancient landfill produced no big bones or shellfish, indicating a strong Jewish presence in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago. Once again, evidence that Jewish people have had a long, enduring relationship with the land of Israel for millennia. Today, we're going to focus on a specific location in the Bible, a specific city, and that's the biblical city of Joppa. You know, Joppa is an ancient port city that sits on the Mediterranean coast just below the city of Tel Aviv. In fact, the Jewish people that started Tel Aviv more than 100 years ago lived in Joppa and moved north to start a uniquely Jewish city. Today, Tel Aviv has grown so big, it's come to almost engulf Joppa. And today, Israelis call Tel Aviv Tel Aviv Yafo. Yafo is the Hebrew way of saying Joppa. So there are two major biblical events that happen in Joppa, one in the Old Testament and one in the New Testament. But surprisingly, both stories have the same theme that God is trying to drive home to the reader. So first, let's start in the Old Testament. And it's a story I'm sure you're all familiar with. It's, it's this, this particular biblical story. It involves a prophet and a very large fish. Can you guess what it is? If you answered Jonah, you're right. God called Jonah the prophet to the city of Nineveh to tell the Ninevites to repent of their sins. Jonah chapter 1 starts like this. The Lord said to Jonah, son of Amittai, go immediately to Nineveh, the large capital city, and announce judgment against the people because their wickedness has come to my attention. Now, If Jonah was obedient to the Lord's call, he would have stood up and traveled east. But instead, as the text says in verse 3 of Jonah, he traveled to Joppa and found a merchant ship heading to Tarshish. He paid the fare and went aboard it to go with them to Tarshish, far away from the Lord. Here is our biblical port city 
of Joppa. Nearly 2,700 years ago, Joppa was still functioning as a port city like it does today. Jonah boarded a boat in defiance to God's call. Why? Because he didn't want to minister to the Ninevites. Jonah hated those Gentile Ninevites. In fact, even after Jonah repented and went to Nineveh to tell the Ninevites to repent of their sins, Jonah was frustrated that they didn't uh, that they repented and said in chapter 4 of Jonah, he prayed to the Lord and said, "Oh Lord, this is just what I thought would happen when I was in my own country. This is what I th- this is what I tried to prevent by attempting to escape to Tarshish." Because I knew that you are gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in mercy, and one who relents concerning threatened judgment. Jonah is mad that the Lord forgave the sins of this Gentile city. He's mad that God would actually bestow his compassion and mercy on such a ruthless people that were known for their brutal ways of conquering other people. You know, it really was brutal. They would demolish buildings. They would burn trees, slaughter animals. They would skin captives alive, impale corpses on stakes, stack heads in heaps, torture and mutilate captured leaders, deport whole populations to other parts of the empire to discourage national uprising, and just a general rule of terror to show their strength. And God wants Jonah to go to these Gentiles these terrorists, to show them grace and mercy. The port city of Joppa, I always like to say, is a port of decision for Jonah. Would he go east and obey the Lord and bring the good news of Nineveh's opportunity to repent and be saved from God's judgment? Or would he go west and flee the Lord? And the port of Joppa is always a biblical reminder for me That as followers of Christ, we have decisions we need to make to either follow his call and commission in our lives or to ignore his call. Jonah chose to ignore God's call because he didn't like the people God called him to minister to. He wanted those disgusting Gentile Ninevites to face God's judgment. And Jonah was so confident in the character of God. He was confident that God would forgive them despite their evil ways that he ran from God's call. See, Joppa from the Old Testament is a place that shows that God loves and cares about everyone. God wants to use his people Israel to minister to every nation, tongue, and tribe. God wants to see everyone come to the knowledge of his saving grace. The question is, are we willing to see past our own prejudices to share the love of Jesus Christ? The book of Jonah ends not on a high note of the Ninevites repenting from their sins. They did. That's the, that's the great part is that the Ninevites did repent, but it doesn't end on that note. But as a teaching moment for Jonah's prejudice toward the Ninevites, in the end of Jonah, the depressed prophet is sitting outside the city to watch it from afar and out pops a little plant that grows over his head to shade him from the sun. Jonah, in his misery that the Ninevites repented and turned toward the Lord, found delight in this little plant. Then God caused a worm to attack that little plant that brought Jonah so much joy, and it dried up. The sun started to shine, and it got hot, and Jonah was extremely upset that that plant had gone away. And God said this in Jonah chapter 4, Jonah, you were upset about this little plant 
something for which you have not worked, nor did you do anything to make it grow. It grew up overnight and died the next day. Verse 11, should I not be even more concerned about Nineveh, this enormous city? There are more than 100,000 people in it who do not know right from wrong. Jonah's priorities, according to God, were wrong. They were off. God cares about everyone, no matter where they are in life, whether they're followers of him or committing acts of terror and evil. His character, God's character, desires to see everyone come to faith in him, and he wants us to have that same character that he has. And this is such a challenge to us. God wants to see everyone through his eyes. God cares more about the human soul than the small things that bring us temporary delight. How are we seeing certain people who don't know Christ with eyes of disgust or with the eyes of God who show compassion and mercy? After the break, we're going to go back to Joppa again, but this time we're going to see Joppa and the role it played in the New Testament, and it may surprise you to see the similarities between Jonah's Joppa and the Joppa that we find in Acts chapter 10. Chris, we mentioned that we have a tour coming up in October, and you and I have both been on that. What would you say to someone that's never been to Israel and has an opportunity to go with us in October? You know, the Friends of Israel is a really great tour to go on, our Friends of Israel Up to Jerusalem tour, because the Friends of Israel has 40 years experience of leading Bible-believing Christians over to the land of Israel to show them the land of the Bible, to give them an experience that they'll never forget. But really the most important thing is that we get a chance to bring believers over to show them where Jesus walked. And this has such a profound impact on a Christian's life. If you'd like to learn more about our Up to Jerusalem tour, go to foiradio.org. There are still openings for October. Visit foiradio.org to learn more, or you can call us at 888-343-6940. Again, that's 888-343-6940. Why not make this year the year you visit the Holy Land? In our previous segment, We saw how Jonah used Joppa to run from his divine calling to invite Gentile Ninevites to repentance because of the prejudice that he had for them. He ran from God. He went in the opposite direction, and he used the port city of Joppa as his tool, his opportunity to flee from God. But now, let's turn our attention to Joppa in the New Testament. This ancient port city has been active for thousands of years, And now we run into Peter's ministry in Acts chapter 9. The Apostle Peter was ministering around and in Joppa, healing people, and even raising Tabitha from the dead. And if you remember, Peter was staying at a very famous tanner's house. You might remember it, Simon the Tanner's house, as he was ministering in Joppa. Now, as Peter was in Joppa, the storyline shifts to a different port city a port city that's about 40 miles north of Joppa. It's called Caesarea by the Sea. Uh, This is a port that Herod the Great built. And Caesarea was a very Gentile city. It it would be hard-pressed to find a faithful Jewish person who would care to be associated with Caesarea. Why? Well, it was way too Romanized. 
However, in Caesarea, there was a God-fearing Gentile centurion, and his name was Cornelius. And he prayed regularly and honored the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And during one of his daily prayers, an angel came to him and told him to send men to Joppa, so they were to go south from Caesarea, to pick up Peter from Joppa and to bring him to Caesarea. The next day, now we're going back to Joppa, Peter went up to the roof to pray. And as he was there, he got hungry and he fell into a vision. And it's a vision of a sheet that came down with all sorts of non-kosher animals on it. And non-kosher means uh, animals that Jewish people cannot eat, like pigs and certain birds and reptiles. The Lord said to Peter in Acts chapter 10, verses 14 through 16, get up, Peter, slaughter and eat. But in verse 14, Peter says this as a very good Jewish uh, man, certainly not, Lord, for I have never eaten anything defiled and ritually unclean. Remember, for a practicing Jewish person, eating non-kosher food was considered a sin toward God, and Peter would never eat such a thing. But the voice spoke to him again a second time in verse 15. What God has made clean, you must not consider ritually unclean. Verse 16, this happened three times and immediately the object was taken up into heaven. Now, just as Peter was considering the idea that Jesus uh, said that these certain foods that came down to him on a sheet were considered clean, Cornelius's men arrive at his house to take him to a place he would never step foot in as a Jew, Caesarea. Do you see the similarities that are happening here? Jonah's Joppa and Peter's Joppa. Jonah was called by God to a place where he would never step foot, Nineveh. And what happened? Jonah decided to run from God's call. And now Peter's in Joppa 700 years later, and now he's being faced by the same question. He's being called by God to go to a place no Jew would ever want to go to, to minister to a people that Jewish people thought were waiting for God's judgment, the Romans. Jewish people did not like the Romans. They were Gentiles and they were subjugating uh, Judea at that time. And if you think about the Romans in some way, they are no different than the Ninevites. They were conquering and pillaging land and Rome had subjected the Jewish people in many ways. And it's the reason that there's a Caesarea to be, uh, there to begin with, so that Rome could have a place of power in Judea. However, instead of boarding a boat like Jonah to flee God's call, Peter went with Cornelius's men to a place and people he probably never thought God would ever send him to. Even as Peter arrives in Caesarea, he says to Cornelius in verse 28 of chapter 10 in Acts, he says this, you know that it's unlawful for a Jew to associate or visit with a Gentile. Yet God has shown me that I should call no person defiled or ritually unclean. Peter understood, my friends. When Jesus gave Peter the ability to eat what was once considered unclean, it wasn't for his personal benefit, but for the benefit of the gospel and the benefit of being able to fellowship with Gentiles. Now, Peter can sit down and fellowship with Cornelius and his family in Caesarea. So what? The gospel could be shared. 
See, under Jewish law, not the law of God, but under Jewish law, the rabbinical law, it was illegal for Jewish people to fellowship with Gentiles because rabbis were worried Jewish families might integrate with Gentile families just a little too much. And where does most integration take place? Well, it takes place during fellowship. And where does fellowship take place? Well, it takes place over the dinner table. Things have not changed that much. I love that Peter, in this picture that we get of him in Joppa, I love that he doesn't fight going to Caesarea, like Jonah fought going to Nineveh. You know, technically, if Peter really tried hard, he could have run from Cornelius' men and ultimately the will of God. And in fact, when Peter was retelling the story in Acts chapter 11 of his experience going to Cornelius, he says the Spirit of God urged him to go with Cornelius' men. So you can see Peter yielded himself to the leading of the Holy Spirit. And what was the result? Cornelius and everyone who heard Peter's message of the gospel were saved and baptized. The biblical theme coming out of the port city of Joppa is this, God's compassion and mercy for people we would least expect to minister to is shown through. For Jonah, the Ninevites. For Peter, the Romans. And for you and me, well, who's that? I always love when Jonah knows. He just knows God's heart is to see even the most wicked come to faith and repentance. Why? Because it's in God's character. And here's the other side of that theme we see coming out of Joppa. God wants us, those who love him, to become more like him. Jonah just couldn't seem to get his mind wrapped around this spiritual concept. He was so angry and bitter toward the Ninevites, he couldn't see the joy in them repenting. He wouldn't let the grace of God change his own life. And as you can see from the end of the book of Jonah, he remained quite bitter and angry. Peter, on the other hand, he allowed the Spirit of God to change him as he yielded to the calling of God. I'm confident Peter was quite unsure how all this would turn out, stepping out in faith to minister to Cornelius and the other Gentiles. And what was his response when they placed their faith in Christ? Well, you can see it there in Acts chapter 10 and Acts chapter 11. Joy and excitement. So what do these two stories from Joppa tell us? First, yield your life to God's calling. Don't fight it. It makes life more difficult for you and others around you, like in the case of Jonah. Remember, he goes out on the boat, there's a big storm, and now everybody on the boat is caught up in his fight against God's call. Yield your life to the Holy Spirit's direction. And remember that God shows no partiality. His desire is to show compassion to even the most wicked and despicable people. So we need to be ready to show that same compassion and grace to those we are often prone to run from. And finally, none of this can happen unless you allow the Holy Spirit to transform you, to become more like Christ. You must allow the work of the Holy Spirit coupled with the reading of Scripture and prayer to change you more into the image of Jesus the Messiah. I'm always challenged whenever I read these two biblical accounts that occur in the same place, Joppa. And I hope, like me, you've been challenged. 
Now, Apples of Gold, a dramatic reading from the life and ministry of Holocaust survivor Svi Kalisher. Many years ago, new immigrants moved into our neighborhood in Jerusalem. One family in particular became special to us because they spoke about the faith. Yet they did not like people who believed in Christ, even though they were not religious themselves. Several years ago, they moved away, and we never heard from them again. Recently, my wife and I were waiting for a bus, and whom should we see but our former neighbors? We began to inquire about each other's families. In a loud voice, our friend said, We're very happy to tell you our son repented. And when they showed us his picture, there he was, wearing a long beard and the black clothing of the ultra-Orthodox. What do you say about this? the mother asked me. I say this is nice clothing for the Purim carnival. The mother was no longer happy. Why do you say such a thing? the father asked. I explained that to repent means to come before the Lord with a broken heart. He is not serving the Lord according to the Bible, I told them. He is serving men. He does what the rabbis tell him, not what the Bible tells him. Why do you say such a thing? the mother asked. So I asked him, what is more important, to worship God according to the Bible or according to the fictitious stories in rabbinical commentaries? Well, the Bible, of course, they both replied. So I quickly opened my Bible to Jeremiah 17:7, where it is written, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is the Lord. As I spoke, others on the bus began listening to our lengthy conversation and asked me to read the passage aloud. Then I gave my Bible to others on the bus and asked them to read verses 5 through 6, which says, Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord, for he shall be like a shrub in the desert. So I ask, in whom shall we trust? In those who disguise themselves so they will appear holy, or in God who is holy? Suddenly the atmosphere in the bus became very tense. More and more people joined the conversation. How can you come here and start to speak about faith, someone asked. You do not even cover your head. I replied, when God gave Moses the Torah at Mount Sinai, did God ask him, why did you come here without your head covered? Moses went to God with his heart. That is the most important thing to the Lord. I do not have a long beard or try to persuade you I am holy by wearing special clothes nor do I bring a stack of fictitious stories. I come to you only with the word of God. In here, it is written how we should worship the Lord. I began to read Deuteronomy 6.13. You shall fear the Lord your God and serve him. You shall not go after other gods. Everyone on the bus grew quiet. Yes, you are to repent, I told them. But you are to repent before the Lord and follow him alone. I encourage them to study God's word. He is waiting for you, I said.
I hope our study of Joppa has challenged you to think differently about the places you read about in the Bible. You can visit Joppa and many other places in Israel this October if you join us on our Up to Jerusalem tour. Visit foiradio.org to learn more about our 10-day tour to Israel this fall. We at the Friends of Israel Gospel Ministry have been able to share the love of the Messiah and support Israel and the Jewish people since 1938, and it's because of generous donations from our faithful supporters. If you feel led to support our work or you simply want to reach out to us, visit foiradio.org. That's foiradio.org. You can call our listener line at 888-343-6940. Again, that's 888-343-6940. Or write to us at FOI Radio, P.O. Box 914, Belmar, New Jersey, 08099. And let us know where you're listening when you call or write. The Friends of Israel Today is a production of the Friends of Israel Gospel Ministry. We are a worldwide Christian ministry communicating biblical truth about Israel and the Messiah while fostering solidarity with the Jewish people.